Uh, we are finishing up, and so a quick review of what we've been up to for the past two weeks for ECF and LCF alike. Um, two weeks ago, we talked about the foundations of fellowship and uh, the truths in John and First John that really revealed to us that in the beginning there was fellowship, there was relationship, there was Father and Son and Holy Spirit, and there was love. And out of that love, God decided to create man in his image. And we were created. A big part of being in the image of God is to, to have the capacity for relationship, for fellowship, for love, to share in the love that, was, uh, that the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit shared uh, in eternity. And so that's, that's why we are called to have fellowship with one another. That's why when we are saved, uh, when we come into the kingdom... What has happened is that we have been brought back into relationship with God through his son, Jesus, and we join that fellowship that we were created for. And that's an awesome thing. And Jesus left. Jesus laid down his life. Philippians 2 says that for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. No, that's in Hebrews. Philippians 2 says that though he was in the form of God, he didn't consider equality with God a thing to be grasped. He didn't hang on to his fellowship. He didn't, they didn't become insular. They didn't say, all right, this is good. Let's build a wall around it and keep it safe. Right? But they chose to create. And that actually ended up costing God the life of his son. But in that, we were shown what love really is. And so God was able, even through our sin and even through our unfaithfulness and even through the death of his son, to actually... Uh, bring us back into the purpose for which we were created. Uh, our big theme verse through this time has been 1 John 4, starting in verse 7, if you want to turn there. Beloved, let us love one another. Love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only Son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. That's really been the, the core of what we've been talking about. That's the, that's the essence of Christian fellowship right there. Us loving each other the way that God loves us. Right? And you can spend a lifetime living into that, living out of that. Being, form, being transformed back into that. That's what we were created for. And so last week we talked about the forging of fellowship. So there's the, we have the F theme, foundations of fellowship, forging of fellowship. And uh, we looked at our, uh, most of you have seen it before, the, the chart of relationship or kind of the, the process of relationship where it begins with vision and commitment. Do we have that, by the way? No. That's fine. Um, ask your home group leader about it. Uh, 
vision and commitment, but then there's a process by which we speak truth to one another in love and what's selfish in me and what's selfish in you gets put together and conflict happens and we have to be honest with each other and we have to be vulnerable with one another and we have to actually come to the place where we forgive each other, right? When we are adopted into the family of God, we are adopted into a family, which means that uh, anything that can go on in, in your family, that can also go on in the family of God. People can be rude. People can be selfish. People can hurt you, all right? Coming into the family of God by no means guarantees that you will not be hurt by another one of your brothers or sisters. But it does mean that we understand how to approach all of that. We understand that God is working in us to, to make us selfless people. And one of the primary ways that he does that is he puts us with other people who are learning how to be selfless people. And we, in our relationship with each other, learn how to die to ourselves. Paul says in Philippians 2, do nothing from selfish ambition, that means what I get out of this, or conceit, which means how it makes me look. Apply that to relationship. Do nothing in your relationship for what you get out of it. Do nothing in your relationships for how you think it makes you look. You add to that two other things that he says later in chapter 2. Do nothing from grumbling or disputing. Grumbling is, I deserve better than this. I deserve better friends than this. I deserve a better church than this. I deserve a better children's ministry than this. I deserve better worship than this. There's grumbling that comes up in our hearts. and We have an opportunity to let God break us. Uh, disputing means, yes, I hear what you're saying, God, but don't you think there might be a, a, a different, a better way to do this? Somewhere else, with other people? Paul says, this is no way to build community. If we, if we empty ourselves of those things, then we can actually get around to building real community and having true fellowship. So tonight is part three, and we're talking about the fruit of fellowship. Um, the Ostranders, Calloway in particular, caught on to the alliteration of the titles, and she proposed a title for tonight that is the fruit and focus of firmly fixed, family-friendly, fantastic fellowship. I chose to go with the shorter one just for, just for note-taking's sake, all right? The fruit of fellowship. Uh, turn to Matthew 21. It's a sobering parable. Start in verse 33. Continue. Matthew 21, verse 33. Hear another parable. There was a master of a house who planted a vineyard, put a fence around it, and dug a wine press in it, and built a tower and leased it to tenants, and went into another country. When the season for fruit drew near, he sent his servants to the tenants to get his fruit. And the tenants took his servants and beat one, killed another, and stoned another. 
Again, he sent other servants, more than the first, and they did the same to them. Finally, he sent his son to them. And this is where Jesus has a big wink, you know. He sent his son to them, saying, they will respect my son. But when the tenants saw the son, they said to themselves, this is the heir. Come, let us kill him and have his inheritance. And they took him and threw him out of the vineyard and killed him. When, therefore, the owner of the vineyard comes, what will he do to those tenants? They said to him, he will put those wretches to a miserable death and let out the vineyard to other tenants who will give him the fruits in their seasons. Jesus said to them, have you never read in the scriptures the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone? This was the Lord's doing, and it is marvelous in our eyes. Therefore, I tell you, the kingdom of God will be taken away from you and given to a people producing its fruits. Let's pray. Father, I pray that you would come and open your word to us. As the song said, speak, O Lord, till your church is built and the earth is filled with your glory. Lord, that's our prayer together tonight. Unite our hearts in this truth, Lord. What it truly means to be a people of fellowship of participation with you in the work that you are doing together with one another. Holy Spirit, speak to our hearts uh, for the glory of the Son of God who is on the throne, Jesus. Amen. Jesus is telling this parable to Pharisees and they were basically representatives of the people of God who had failed in the mission that God had given them, failed in their calling, failed in the uh, commissioning that started all the way back when God chose Abraham and said, walk with me, listen to my heart, conduct your affairs in the way that I tell you, and through you, I will make a great nation and bless the world. The world had gone astray. The world had gone completely corrupt. God chose a man. He said, walk with me and be blameless. Command your children after you and I will bless the world. I will bring back blessing into the earth. It's become corrupt. We will drive out corruption with blessing. But you need to walk with me. This calling of the people of God continued down through Moses. He he brought them out of Egypt and gave them a law so that they could be his people, so that they, they could be his representatives his redeeming agents in the earth to bless the nations that had gone astray, to bring them back. He gives them the law. They fail to to, uh, uphold the law. Um, He raises up David and he says, all right, I'm going to put a king on the throne. And he is going to establish my kingdom in the earth. A couple kings later, that kingdom is split in two. And here we are with the Pharisees. I mean, we're fast-forwarding it at a rapid pace here. Here we are at the Pharisees. They, they claim the law. They claim uh, the Davidic blessing. They claim to be sons of Abraham. And Jesus looks at them and says, where's the fruit? Where's the fruit? And that's it's kind of a sobering opening, but I really want tonight to be hopeful. All right, we're talking about what is the fruit 
that our fellowship should be producing. It's one thing to say God wants fellowship. God created us for fellowship. It's another thing to say here's how you forge fellowship. Here's how you conduct relationship. But we have to ask the question, what, what is the measure of success? What is God looking for in all of that? All right, and so I have a list of, of fruits, and this isn't exhaustive, and it's not in any particular order, but it's just things that, that I believe that when the Father looks at his people in the earth, and when he, when he looks for the fruit of fellowship, when he looks for the reward of the love that he has shown us and laying down his life for us, when he says, all right, now, what is, what is emerging from your life together? These are some things that I think that he is looking for. And the, the things that the, the master of the, the vineyard would expect when he comes to say, where's the fruit? So the big thought is that fellowship, all right, fellowship is joint participation in a work. It is goal-oriented. Life is a full heir in the kingdom. That's what fellowship is. It's participating in, in God's way of life. All the little details, all the things that God wants. But it's also fellowship with Jesus in his suffering. All right, we'll talk about that in a second. All right, so there's going to be a lot of scripture coming your way. Uh, but here, here's a list of, I think, that are the fruits of the kingdom that God expects and that we can expect to see if, if our fellowship is, is true and if it's centered in God, if it's centered in real love, selfless love. All right. And the first fruit is demonstration. Demonstration. I'll explain what I mean by that. Demonstration of what? Of who God is. Of his purposes. That have been accomplished through Jesus Christ in his people. Demonstration of how his ways are different than the ways of corrupt mankind. John 13, 34 says, Jesus says, a new commandment I give you that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples. One of the fruits of our love for one another is that people know. It's obvious that we are his disciples, meaning that we have brought, been brought into fellowship with the Father through the Son. By this all people will know if, that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. 1 Peter 2 verse 9. You are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. He's made known. He is proclaimed from among us. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh, which wage war against your soul, Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. Jesus says similar things in the Sermon on the Mount. 
You are the salt of the earth, he says. You are the light of the world. You are a city set on a hill. A city set on a hill, he says, Matthew chapter 5, cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand. There's a demonstration of the light. And it gives light to all the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others. So that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Philippians 2.14 says, Do all things without grumbling or disputing in your relationships with each other. Have true fellowship. Die to yourselves that you may be blameless and innocent children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation among whom you shine as lights in the world. Do you understand what, we mean, what I mean by a demonstration, a declaration of who God is? It should, it should, be, it, it should resound from us. This is who God is. He is love. Look how we love one another. It's not just to people. It's not just to... Listen to Ephesians 3, verse 8. To me, though I'm the very least of all the saints, this grace was given, this is Paul, to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things, so that through the church... The manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. The spiritual powers should be put on notice. The people of God is on the move. Love is real. Jesus has won. Look at our lives. This declares not just to people who come and look, but it declares to the spiritual powers in your neighborhoods, in your city. Jesus is Lord here. We are his disciples because we love one another. Philippians chapter 1, verse 27. Let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit, with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel, and not frightened by anything in your opponents. This is a clear sign to them. Your, your oneness, your fellowship, your unity, your, your striving side by side for the gospel is a clear sign to them of their destruction. <laughs> That's an amazing verse. Our love for each other is a show of force to the enemy. That is so powerful. Forging our lives together, being honest, slogging it out, bearing with one another, is a a demonstration of the power of the gospel to the heavenly realms. That's an amazing thing. Do you think about that? When you think about your relationships in the body, do you understand what it's doing? It's an incredible thing. It is a demonstration of the glory of God, of the purposes of God. Second fruit of our fellowship Invitation. Oh, I, w- I want to say that there's an opposite to each of these. And it's, it can be found in, in the people of God in the Old Testament. Ways that they failed. They failed to demonstrate who he was. By the way, I mean, you remember Solomon's prayer for the temple? It was, let this place be a demonstration to the ends of the earth. 
who God is. You remember this when he dedicated the temple? That's what we're talking about. Unfortunately, the opposite happened. His name became blasphemed among the Gentiles because of the people. And why did that happen? Because there was idolatry and ultimately, rather than demonstrate who God was, they began to assimilate the world and the corruption around them. So the opposite fruit, the bad fruit of of bad fellowship is assimilation, the worldliness. It's the same here as it is anywhere else. The same problems here as anywhere else. It's not meant to be that way. The divorce rate in the church should be drastically lower than the divorce rate in the world. Right? The amount of children that go astray from families that are dedicated to the gospel should be drastically lower in the church. Right? Because we forge our lives together. And we demonstrate the power of the gospel. So the opposite of demonstration is assimilation. Becoming just like the world. And at that point, our fellowship has become fruitless. It's a dead gathering. The second fruit is invitation. Invitation. The people of God if they're anything like God, are outward. They, want, they are welcoming. They want more. Let us create man in our image. We want more of this. It's so good. We don't want to keep it to ourselves. We want more. Another good biblical word would be hospitality. Real godly fellowship is hospitable. It's open. It's, it's extending Hebrews 13, verse 1 and 2. Let brotherly love continue. Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers. Love each other and love the strangers. For thereby some have entertained angels unawares. I've never really understood that one, but it's kind of a cool bonus to that scripture. Revelation twenty two seventeen. The spirit and the bride say, come. Let the one who hears say, come. Let the one who is thirsty come. There is an inclusive nature. And I don't mean the worldly inclusive. Right? There's a, there's a false inclusion that's going on in today's culture. But the spirit and the bride say, come. Meaning, leave all that. Leave yourself behind. Leave your worldliness behind. Die to it. And come and take of the water of life. Without price. The opposite of this is exclusion. It's it's sectarianism. The New Testament writers were intent on letting the people of God know that they cannot show partiality. That whoever walks in the door, you need to love them the same as the people that you go to the lake with on the weekend. That you need to love them the same as your own family. No matter how they're dressed, no matter what they're like. Scripture is very clear. We cannot show partiality. This is the opposite. This is a bad fruit. A, a bad fellowship is one where there's partiality, sects, factions, divisions. Rather than warm hospitality and genuine love 
and openness where the Spirit and the Bride say, come. The third fruit of good fellowship is provision. In a healthy fellowship of believers, there is the giving and receiving of ourselves. And this, this covers everything from material needs to emotional needs, spiritual needs, everything in between. There is a giving and a receiving of ourselves. Hebrews 13, 16, do not neglect to do good and share what you have. For such sacrifices are pleasing to God. Acts 2, 44, all who believed were together. And how things in common. That's fellowship. I mean, that's literally the word fellowship. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. That's, it's anachronistic to go back and, and talk about socialism versus capitalism there. What are we talking about? There is a willingness and an awareness that everything I have is yours. We've been given to each other. And if I've been given to you, so has all my stuff. <laughs> it belongs to whoever has need. Acts 4, the full number of those who believed were of one heart and soul, and no one said that any of the things that belonged to him were his own. You can hear, though he was in the form of God, he did not consider equality with God a thing to be grasped. But they had everything in common. With great power, the apostles were giving testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. There was not a needy person among them. For as many as were owners of lands or of houses sold them and brought the proceeds of what was sold. Titus 3.14. Let our people learn to devote themselves to good works so as to help cases of urgent need and not be unfruitful. Ephesians 4.28, let the thief no longer steal. Rather, let him labor doing honest work with his own hands so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. This is a fruit of good community. Needs are, needs are known, needs are met through the generosity of the brothers and sisters. Romans 12.13, contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. The opposite of this, the bad fruit, is greed. Is greed. It's get away from my stuff. Greed is a bit, where there is greed, there is bad fellowship. All right? The people of God had become greedy. They had become protect, overly protective of their stuff. And it was, they had become extorters of one another. Dishonest to the point of they were exploiting and having bad business deals out of greed. Right? And this was, one of the, this was one of the injustices that came up to God and that the prophets came to address over and over. Stop being greedy. Open your hands to the needy among you. Open your hands to the poor. Your shepherds are just feeding themselves. They're getting fat while other people go hungry.
What number are we on? Three? Four. Edification. This is a a good fruit of good fellowship. Edification. You could also say building up or fortifying. This is similar to provision, except it's less about seeing needs and more about who, who, who has God uniquely made me? What is my place in the body? And how am I being given to other people in that way? How do I add my gifts to your life? Paul talked about the grace that was given me to you word. Right? There is grace in each one of us that's given to us for each other. Paul, this is spiritual gifts. Paul talks about prophecy builds people up. Earnestly desire the gifts so that you can edify each other, so that you can add equipment to each other's lives. He even gives special offices, special ministries, apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith. Good fellowship is where there is equipping happening. There is edification happening between members. There is the giving and exchanging of gifts, me adding the things that God has blessed me with to your life, and you doing the same for me. Ephesians 4, again, 15. Speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him, Who is the head? Uh, It says, when each part is working properly, it makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. When there is honest love among the members of the fellowship of God, when we are sharing in the love between the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, we are building each other up. That love builds us up. Paul says in Romans 1, verse 11, I long to see you, that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to strengthen you. Do you long to see, do you long to come to church so that you can impart some spiritual gift to strengthen the people in this room? That is, that we may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith, both yours and mine. Beautiful picture. And it's in kind of one, Paul, one of Paul's introductory statements. Hey, I want to, I want to get down there with you guys so, I can, so we can build each other up. So I can add my gifts and I can receive from your gifts and we'll be built up in love. The opposite of this is tearing down. It's tearing down, tearing each other down. Or withholding things. Me just having my gift over here and building my life around my gift. Rather than using it for what it is, which is a gift. It wasn't given to me. It was given to me for you. And we can withhold. And that actually tears down the body of Christ. All right, number five. So the, uh, four was edification. Number five is 
maturation, maturing. We were just in Ephesians 4. I mean, really all of this is in Ephesians 4. He gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood. This is a process of maturing, of constant growth, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children. It says, rather speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way. We're never meant to stay still. We're never meant to stop growing. We're to grow up and to continue growing up. Paul said, Paul said, I'm not there yet, but I keep pressing forward. We are never stagnant. We never just coast. We are always maturing. 2 Peter 1. This is a long... He gives this list of qualities. He says, listen, we are called to share in God's divine nature. We're called to be like him. And so here's how you grow into that. He says, for if these qualities that he just lists are yours and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. There's a way to know God in a way that's ineffective and and unfruitful. In the body of Christ, we are always maturing. And it's, I think, relationships have have a huge role to play in that maturing. We're becoming better lovers by becoming better lovers of one another. We're learning the things about ourselves that are still selfish, that are still opposed and inhibiting the love of God from coming forth from our lives. The opposite of this is just stagnation. It's failure to thrive. And even regression or backsliding. The, the people of Israel, this was one of the ways that they failed. They, they would regress. They would fall back into sin. Paul even talked to some of the communities, some of his churches. He says, I keep having to tell you guys the same things over and over. You still need milk. You should be going on to meat. In a healthy fellowship of believers, there is a maturing into adulthood, spiritual adulthood. Which means beginning to carry responsibility. Beginning to think about someone other than myself. You know, adulting. (laughs) We all need to enter into adulting in the body of Christ. Number six. I think this is the last one. Yeah, number six. Multiplication. The fruit of a healthy community is multiplication. And this just gets back to, this is one of the original callings of the people of God since the beginning. The original person of God, the man of God, Adam, was given a task to be fruitful 
and multiply. Be fruitful and multiply. Jesus echoed this call when he told his disciples to go and make disciples of all nations. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit. That is, bring them into the fellowship. Bring them into relationship. Immerse them into the life, the eternal life that John talks about. Acts 9.31. So the church throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria had peace and was being built up and walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit. It multiplied. When things were going well, when people were fearing God, laying down their lives before him, walking in the ministry of the Holy Spirit, the church multiplied. Amen? All right, so these are... These are fruits, okay? These are not commands. You cannot go and multiply. All right, Jesus made the command very clear. The commands are crystal crystal clear. Love God. Actually, receive the love of God and love him for that. And love each other the way that he loves you. That's the command. These fruits are gauges, right? Jesus Jesus talks about fruit quite a bit. He says, you you know, one of the things you know things is by fruit, all right? So I think, never mind. I was going to get into some more philosophical stuff, but I'm going to skip over that. So these are fruits. These are not commands, all right, so we don't set out to do any of this stuff. What we set out to do is to love each other. And to ask God to help us become true lovers of one another. We set out to forge fellowship like we talked about last week. We set out to speak the truth in love. We set out to be honest. We set out to be vulnerable. We set ourselves to forgive because... That's a demonstration of the way God loves us. So scripture doesn't say you got to go and do all these things. It says you got to go and do one thing. But it does tell us that we can tell a tree by its fruit. A good fruit is a good tree. Bad fruit is a bad tree. And the parable I opened up with is a sober warning. The kingdom of God will be taken from you and given to a people producing its fruits. Producing its fruits. And this warning is echoed through Scripture, through the New Testament. Paul tells Christians in Romans, he's talking to Christians. He says, yeah, the Jews... They had their thing going on. They had, their, they had their failures. And you Gentiles have now been grafted in. But if you stop producing fruit, God's going to do the same thing to you. He'll move on and find a people who will join him in what he's doing and what he's about. Give their lives to love him, to love each other, and that will produce fruit. The master of the vineyard comes and says, It's time for fruit, and where is it? 
John said, even now the axe is laid to the root of the trees. Every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. So my challenge to us is to consider these fruits of of good fellowship and their opposites and ask what what which of those things do I see in my just in my personal life? Am I someone whose life demonstrates who God is? Am I someone who invites others into my life? Am I someone who seeks to meet needs? Right, Because that would be just the basic fruit of your fellowship with, with Jesus as an individual. But then think about your relationships. Think about your close friendships. Does this friendship declare who God is? Does this friendship invite people to share what we enjoy together? You see what I'm saying? Does my family, is my family fruitful in these ways? Is our family, are our family relationships conducted in a way that people see them and can glorify God because of the way our household works? Or do they look and go, man, I thought they were Christians. They're kind of just like everybody else. So there's trees that we can look at and we can look at their fruits and we can tell, is this a good tree or a bad tree? All right. Family, home group. Is our home group constantly maturing or have we stagnated? Are we just coasting? Or are we kind of even going backwards a little bit? Man, we used to be vibrant. We used to be in the spirit. We used to be giving gifts to each other and meeting needs. And now it's like we can barely even twist people's arm to get there that's bad fruit (laughs) there's sober warnings for that kind of thing where there is bad fruit there's bad fellowship but the good thing is that god pours out his grace he pours out the holy spirit and we can ask father help us it comes down to getting back to our first love Can we come back to the foundation and say, you left heaven, poured out your life, hung naked and ashamed on a cross so that I could have fellowship with the Father. And his deep desire is for me to love other people in the way that Jesus has loved me. Am I fulfilling that desire of God's heart? Because every grace that he has, every provision that he has, is pointed at you to enable you to do that. And he's waiting for you to say, yes, I I, I will do it. I surrender. Help me. I need you. So my challenge is for you to, to look at these trees and examine the fruit of these trees, your personal life, your close friendships, your family, your home group, and your church. And just take a look. Go through that list of fruits. 
Is this fruit? Do we see this fruit? Is there evidence of this fruit? And not to feel guilty that, oh, we, don't, we, better, <laughs> we better cause some fruit to grow really fast. No, Jesus said, just look at it. You can tell by its fruit. And there might be some pruning that needs to happen. But if it's bad fruit, the tree's probably bad. We should probably fix that. If it's good fruit, praise God for more of it. Amen? Amen. Well, we do uh, communion at the end, and it's always a good time for us to kind of reflect on what God's doing in our hearts. And um, I think particularly this sermon is good to consider what, what the table signifies. Paul said, the cup of blessing that we bless, is it not participation? That's fellowship. Is it not participation in the blood of Christ? The bread that we break, is it not participation in the body of Christ? So I'd like to call us to examine our hearts. Maybe tonight as we come to the table, we can just examine ourselves, our personal life. Are these fruits evident? Or is there something in us? Is there something in our hearts that that is causing a bad fruit or an absence of those good fruits of healthy fellowship? Um, Because, like I said, the first thing that happens is you join the fellowship with the Father through the Son in the Spirit, and your life becomes fruitful. And then God puts you with other lives, and your relationship with those other lives bears its fruit as well. Um, But as we come to the table, let's just center ourselves. In this is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us. This is how we know love. Look, you're, you're staring at the way that we know love. What is love? We're about to come participate in love and receive love. Gave his son to be the propitiation for our sins. This is how we know love. This is a beautiful place to respond. Because we don't want to go out and strive. We don't want to go out and feel guilty. We want to come to the table and receive the body and blood of Jesus. Amen? This is the root of the tree. And, and from this body, from this blood, flows all the fruit that the master would ever desire from our lives. Amen? Let's pray.